Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of the Lord's Supper, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the importance of understanding that the Lord's Supper was about Passover. That is what it was really about. It is very important to understand that because there are many doctrines that have evolved over the centuries that people suggest comes from the Lord's Supper or is the true example of or the reality of the Lord's Supper. But the truth of the matter is, is that they don't have any idea whatsoever about the roots, about the history of the Lord's Supper, or the importance of what he was truly conveying when he was sitting with his disciples the evening before he was crucified. Now, the most important thing about the Lord's Supper is to understand that this was Passover. And as I was explaining in the previous broadcast, Passover was about remembering our freedom from Egypt. It was about remembering the salvation that the Lord provided for the nation of Israel from the slavery and from the bondage that we experienced in Egypt. That is what Passover is mainly about. It is about remembering what the Lord God has already done for us, what he did for us in the flesh, what he did for us by taking us out of Egypt and then what he did for us by establishing us as a nation through the giving of the law and through bringing us out into the promised land. This is what the Passover was about, and we would perform the Passover once every year to remember what the Lord God had actually done for us. This is the most important aspect of Passover. It was about the remembrance of what the Lord God had already done. When the Lord Jesus sat down with his disciples at the Passover, the last Passover that he participated in, he told them some very important things. One of the important things that he told them was that he was no longer going to participate in that Passover until they ate it with him in the kingdom of heaven. That was a very important statement because according to the law of Moses, it was mandatory for everyone to participate in the Passover every year. Otherwise, they would be permanently cut off from the nation of Israel. And so it's a very important statement, especially considering that the Lord Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He was alive. And even though he went into the presence of God, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't return again once a year and participate in the Passover with his disciples. If he is alive, he most certainly could do that. But instead, he said that this is going to be different. He told them that he was going to live in a different way. And that was to put the Passover laws aside until a later time in the history of what God is doing with us as his people And at that time, he would then eat the Passover with us. What that is really going to look like, I'm not very certain of. We don't really have enough details to know precisely what our life is going to be like in heaven. What we do have is some small examples that we can look at that gives us a general idea of what that might look like in the future. 
But the most important thing to understand here is that this is definitely about Passover. And what the Lord Jesus also did was he changed, he shifted the subject of remembrance from the salvation from Egypt to now referring to the salvation that we have in him, that we have in the Messiah as a result of what he has done for us now. That was a major shift when he spoke about the bread and the wine, and he talked about remembering what he had done, remembering him. He is making a major paradigm shift from remembering the freedom from Egypt to now remembering the freedom that we receive as part of salvation. And instead of remembering the salvation from bondage in the flesh, we are now to remember and live in the salvation that we have in the Spirit. That was the transition that the Lord made the evening before he died when presenting the Lord's Supper, when presenting this important subject of the gospel and revealing to the disciples the new life that we are now going to be able to live in as a result of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. That was a major transition. This is best described as a foreshadowing and a reality. For example, Paul spoke about this in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, where he said, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That is, the reality is of Christ. The laws of Passover were very important for the purpose of providing the prophetic inferences that the Lord God used in order to reveal himself and reveal how he would accomplish salvation for us. Those are considered to be foreshadowings or a shadow of something else, and the reality is something else. There is a distinction. You could consider this as if you were walking on the sidewalk during the day and the sun was overhead, and if you looked down on the ground, you would see a shadow of yourself. The shadow is not yourself. Yourself is yourself. You are the reality. The shadow is nothing more than a shadow of you. So also, these festivals, to include the festival of Passover, is a shadow of something else, and the reality is the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us. That is the reality that we are to consider. The Lord Jesus was expressed as our Passover, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 5. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. The Lord Jesus was the Passover lamb that was sacrificed for us. This is the foreshadowing, and we now have a reality. And the reality is not about observing a festival once a year. That is not the reality. That was the foreshadowing. The reality is now observe the fulfillment of that effectively every day. Whenever we sit down and have bread or wine, whenever we live our daily lives, we are to remember what the Lord Jesus has already accomplished for us. This is a paradigm shift from remembering once a year what the Lord God did for us by taking us out of Egypt to now living every day remembering what the Lord Jesus has done for us as our Messiah in order to set us free from the bondage of the flesh, to set us free from the bondage of sin and the power of sin. That's the most important thing to see here with respect to the Lord's Supper. Now, when Paul would go out into the Gentile world, he most certainly would want to convey to the Gentiles that they are to live in a daily way of remembrance of what the Lord Jesus has already done for them. They are to live in remembrance of and acknowledgement of what the Lord Jesus has given to them 
as their inheritance because of his death and his resurrection, because of the free gift of eternal life and everything that comes along with that. This is definitely a subject that Paul revealed to those he was speaking to. We can see that very clearly in the letters that he wrote to them later on and to those who he did not meet previously. It's important to see that, that Paul spent a significant amount of time talking with the people about what they had already received as their inheritance in Christ Jesus. Now, one way to definitely convey this is to convey this in the context of the Passover and in context of the Lord's Supper, because that was his focus. When he was speaking with his disciples during that last meal, his focus was definitely wanting to convey to them the truth of resting in and believing in and remembering what they already had as a result of what he accomplished for them. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for the Gentiles and for any other person to definitely remember what the Lord Jesus has done for them, which is why I believe Paul most certainly revealed this to the Gentiles, spoke with them about the Passover, spoke with them about the Lord's Supper, and told them that whenever they come together, they should definitely break the bread, and they should drink the wine, and they should do that together to remember together every day or any time that they did gather and assemble together as an opportunity to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for them. This definitely would be a wonderful thing to convey to the people as a means of encouraging them to live a daily life in remembrance of what the Lord Jesus has already done for them. But what we see in the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, we see an opportunity for conflict as a result of this. Because when people would get together, what we can see here in the scriptures, they would not necessarily wait for one another. And so if they were not waiting for one another, they might consider eating up all the food and drinking up all the wine before everyone got there. And that's what I believe was conveyed in his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He was conveying to them the importance of waiting for one another. But instead, people have taken this passage and they've created all kinds of new and different doctrines and teachings that have nothing to do with what he wrote to them. Consider a circumstance that would be very practical or very real in the lives of the people in this time era. For example, when people would come together, they generally would come from a reasonable distance from one another. It would take time for them to get there. They more than likely would be walking as opposed to riding a horse. They definitely would not be driving a car like we do in our time period in history right now. Back then, people had to travel by walking or maybe by horse or by some other animal if they were fortunate to have one. But in walking, they would have to actually get up and travel. And sometimes the time that it would take for them to get from one location to another would be uncertain. They may be able to walk faster one day and slower in another day. Or they might be delayed just because of regular circumstances in life. Life back then was very different and the demands of life were very different. And so it was a little bit more difficult to maintain a consistent schedule especially if a person had to work a lot because they may not be very well off, they may not be very well to do, they would quite likely have to work a lot more than others who were more well off than them. They would have to work a lot more and their timing would be a little bit more uncertain with respect to when they would be able to arrive at somebody else's home in order to fellowship with other believers. Now, when doing that, they would still have to travel a reasonable distance, and in having to travel, they would not have as much opportunity to prepare food for themselves as others might be able to if they didn't have to travel as far in order to assemble with others. 
There are also issues concerning how you would prepare the food by having the proper facilities. Would you need to cook something? Would you need to light a fire? Would you have an oven in order to do that? And all of these things are some details that would be part of a person's daily life back then. And so when people would arrive at somebody's home, they would probably arrive in different orders. They would not necessarily know when they would get there, but they would know that people would be coming. And so when people would get there early, people would hopefully wait for others to come there to be able to participate in the meal that would be prepared for everyone. But if they did not wait, then they might end up eating up all the food and drinking up all the wine. And if you eat up all the food and you drink up all the wine... Before others get there, then it might be that you would take a nap. You might fall asleep. If a person gets drunk from all the wine, then they might end up just falling asleep on the couch or on the floor. And then what would happen? Then those who came late would come in and they would see those people who were already there and they would pass judgment on them. They would pass judgment on them saying that this person did not wait for me. They ate up all the food and drank up all the wine. I was finally able to get here after all the work that I had been performing throughout the day. And now that I've got here, I don't have anything to eat or anything to drink because this person has eaten it all. They would definitely pass judgment on this person and say that this person is not being very helpful, to say the least, concerning the situation at hand. This is a very simple reality about daily life. And so when we read the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you can see that this is most certainly what they were experiencing. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 20 where Paul says, Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you, for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now in this version, this verse, verse 24, would be more correctly translated as he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We don't want to say that the Lord Jesus' body was broken because according to the prophecy, not one bone was broken. But continuing on in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Do you see the importance of what he's saying here? He's saying, do this in remembrance of me. This is a major paradigm shift. This is a major transition from remembrance of the freedom that we receive from the bondage of Egypt to now remembering the freedom from the bondage of the world, the bondage of sin, the bondage of the flesh that we have now been set free from because of what he did on the cross. As a result of his death, we have experienced great freedom, and that is what we are to remember every day. Continuing on in verse 25, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. And so the judgment, the chastening of the Lord, is the Holy Spirit within a person testifying to them personally and individually that what they are doing is wrong, that what they are doing is violating their neighbor, they are violating the other people who are members of the body of Christ by not allowing them to eat and drink when they arrive because they eat up all the food and drink up all the wine before they get there. That is the judgment that the Lord presents. He simply conveys the truth to us in the deepest part of who we are, that what we are doing is not an act of love. That is what he is conveying to us. And the rest of the judgment is just simply the judgment from the other believers, from the other people, from the other members of the body of Christ who come in and say, look at this person. This person has eaten up all the food and drunk up all the wine and they're drunk and they're going to sleep because they're drunk because they didn't wait for us. And so now we have nothing when we get there. That is all that is being conveyed here. There is nothing more that Paul is talking about when writing to the Corinthians. Look at the conclusion. The conclusion is found in verses 33 and 34. Therefore, as a result of everything that he just said, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. That is what is being conveyed here. The only thing that is really being conveyed here is that the people should wait for one another. That's the bottom line. That is all that Paul is revealing here. Instead, what people are doing today is they're imputing all this meaning into these passages, suggesting that they mean something else. For example, there are many churches that we have in this country and around the world for that matter that when people assemble together, they sit down or they stand up, depending on the congregation, they assemble together and they say, we're now going to participate in the Lord's Supper. And so what we do is we pass out the bread and we pass out the wine and, and everyone has to sit down or stand up. Everyone has to look introspectly in among themselves and examine themselves to see if they have any sin within them whatsoever that has not been forgiven by God, that has not been properly confessed, that has not been properly repented of. Everyone has to look in among themselves and see if there is any sin at all about any aspect or any part of their life, and they have to make sure that they do this. Otherwise, if they participate in the Lord's Supper before they obtain proper forgiveness, then God is going to condemn them and judge them and might actually take them out and kill them. That's what people teach. Many people teach that, and many people believe that. And so it's a very frightening experience for many people because they don't want to do this in an unworthy manner. Otherwise, they expect that they might experience the great wrath and judgment from God to the point that God might actually kill them as a result of their performing this ritual or this sacrament in an unworthy manner. This is an example of what people teach from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and as a result of what the Lord did the evening before he was crucified, people teach these kinds of things, and they are not in the scriptures. They are not here. Do you understand that? This is the most important thing to see. 
in the passages that we have here in the scriptures with respect to the subject of the Lord's Supper, what people are doing has absolutely nothing to do with what was conveyed in the scriptures. It's not there. It's important to see that. It's important to understand that because people are doing all these extra things and these extra things are presenting doctrines that simply are not true. They are conveying things and teaching things that are not true. They are effectively lying to people because it just simply is not here. It is not in the scriptures. What is here is an important revelation about changing our remembrance from remembering the bondage that we had in Egypt and the freedom and the salvation that we experience to now remember the freedom and the salvation that we have as a result of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. That is the important thing. And when we get together and we participate with a meal together and we have bread and we have wine, whenever we assemble together, we should take that opportunity on a daily basis to remember and live in thankfulness of what the Lord Jesus has already done for us. But instead, what people have done is they have taken these passages in many cases and they have twisted these, twisted these passages to teach something that generally conveys that we are not to remember what the Lord Jesus has already done for us, but we are now to try and obtain something, obtain forgiveness, obtain a right relationship with God because of this sacrament that we are performing or because of this confession that we give of ourselves. Instead of remembering what the Lord Jesus has done for us, we now forget what he has done for us, and we now assume that we can obtain what he already did by doing something else that has nothing to do with what is recorded in the scriptures. That is a major twisting of the scriptures to not only teach something that is not true, but to take away from that which is true. And I sincerely believe that many people are doing this because they have a deep desire to have a relationship with God And there are many people who are teaching this out of a deep desire to have a relationship with God also. But because they have no idea about the foreshadowing of the Passover, the reality that has been revealed in Christ Jesus, they have no idea what he has really accomplished for them and are consistently living a life trying to obtain what they really already have in him. Because of this confusion, they end up believing things like this and doing things like this. And a lot of people live a life of total and absolute confusion only because they are rejecting what is true and they are trying to believe something that really is not and there is no reconciliation between those things that are clearly obviously true and these things that people are teaching that are clearly obviously not true. But because of a lack of understanding of the law, a lack of understanding of the gospel, this is what people are left with in many cases. And I understand that and I can appreciate that and I'm not wanting to directly condemn people because of what they are believing. Instead, what I really want to do is I really want to convey to you, I really want to show you and explain what was really happening here, what was really being described, and so you can appreciate the practical nature of what the Lord Jesus has done for us and what Paul gave to the Corinthian church as a means of remembering truly what the Lord Jesus has already done for us. And so I want to encourage you most sincerely to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for you today and every day. Don't be concerned about whether or not you're remembering it once a year or once a month or once a week. This is a daily experience because your whole life in Christ is dependent on and is truly about what he has already done, what he has already done for you. 
that he has already forgiven you of all of your sins, that he has set you free from the bondage of the flesh and in the world by giving you a new relationship, giving you the opportunity to experience this new relationship that you now have with the living God because he does not hold your sins against you anymore. He now loves you perfectly. He accepts you perfectly so that you can now walk in the newness of life that you now have as a result of what he has done that has been clearly described as the new covenant that we now live in. And so understand something very important about the distinction between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant presented the ritual, presented the observance of a law that said that this is what you are to do and so that you are to remember something that I did for the nation of Israel. The new covenant is not about replacing an old tradition, an old means of observance with now a new means of observance. In most cases, people are saying, well, in one way of living in accordance with the old covenant, we lived and we observed things in one way. And now in the new covenant, in the new way of living, we now observe things in a different way. This is not about observing things in one way versus observing things in another way, whether you observe a festival, whether you don't observe a festival, that is not the issue. The issue is, is that the Lord presented some very important truths and has revealed himself in the midst of these truths. He has presented to us the truth of the gospel that he no longer holds our sins against us and we are now to walk in that truth. And if we walk in that truth, we live in the truth and in the reality that we are perfectly loved and accepted by our God. And so we experience the benefit of that in our daily life as we live with this reality, with this truth that we are now at peace with him, that we are already right with our God, that we already have this relationship with him, and this relationship is a mutual experience of him revealing to us himself and us living our lives in accordance with that revelation. It is not a matter of, well, at one time I observed things in this way with these rituals, and now I observe things in this way with these rituals. It has nothing to do with that at all. It is about the reality that we now have this opportunity to experience a personal, interactive relationship with the person of our God the person, the Lord Jesus, who has now revealed himself to us and made it possible for us to walk in the newness of life, in the truth and in the reality and independence on what he has already done for us. That is a new way that has now been opened up to us as a result of what he has done in instituting the new covenant. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net you